This is the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast with Dr. Julie Capel, episode number 88. Thanks so much for joining me again this week on the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast. I'm really excited to have another discussion about all the things that we as veterinarians deal with in this profession. And right now in this pandemic and months and months that we've been going through it, things just seem to be getting more and more difficult for us and at our workplaces. The feedback that I'm getting from the veterinary community is just that things seem to be getting more difficult with our clients, the way we practice medicine, getting help in the profession. It seems like a lot of veterinary practices are shorthanded at this time, Um, veterinary shortages and also technician shortages. And it just seems like it's getting more difficult to wrap our head around why this job is so great. And if you've listened to me before, you know that I love this profession. I love veterinary medicine. And that is why I do this podcast and why I want to help veterinarians deal with a lot of the mental challenges that we deal with. And lately, it's been physically challenging as well. I just said yesterday when I was at work, I'm so tired from getting up and down off the floor and dealing with dogs that are not happy and kind of wrestling around and trying to see double patient appointments every you know 20 to 40 minutes because it's just so busy and we're trying to get everybody in the door. So I'm there with you. I understand where you're coming from. I really hope that the things that we talk about on the podcast are helpful, and I hope that if you do have any challenges that you'll reach out and talk about it, either if you want to be on the podcast and talk about it, or just send me an email and uh, we can talk about it virtually. If you want to uh, talk about how you manage your mind around some of the emotions that you feel during this time, whether it's fear of the pandemic or fear of clients getting angry and all the things that have been happening in the veterinary profession um, and in the world, you know, it's not just us as veterinarians that are suffering during this pandemic. It's also us as people and parents and spouses and sons and daughters. There are just a lot of things that we're dealing with and all these things we can help each other manage by having this dialogue. So that brings me to what I decided to talk about today on the podcast. And I know on episode 84, we talked about taming the angry client. Well, I just wanted to take that to the next level and not necessarily call this taming the angry client podcast number two, but basically talking about conflict conflict resolution, different styles of conflict management, and how we deal with some of the things that pop up in our day when it comes to conflict, negotiation, and conflict resolution. So the reason that this came up for me this week, and usually that's how these podcasts arise, is something happens in my own life and I deal with it. And then I think, ooh, this would make a good podcast because I either dealt with it beautifully or maybe not so great. And then how could I deal with it better the next time? So the thing that brought this conflict resolution podcast to light for me was yesterday at work, I had a client that left a message 
um, that he was angry and he wanted me to return his call. He was angry because he had called on Saturday um, on a day that I had worked, called first thing in the morning, talked to one of my receptionists, and she basically had turned him away because we didn't have any open appointments. And he has been a longtime client. He's got these beautiful cats that he is madly in love with. And he had one of his little cats had an abscess on its chin. And so he called first thing in the morning to have it looked at. And of course, we were fully booked, in fact, double booked. And my receptionist just didn't think that um, it warranted trying to squeeze him in any further because we would always already be so far behind. So she told him no, and that he would need to go to the local emergency clinic to get the cat looked at if he thought it was an emergency. So cut to Tuesday after the long holiday weekend, and he's angry about what happened on Saturday because his cat didn't get seen. He didn't go to the emergency clinic. He just dealt with it himself. And the cat was fine. It turned out not to be a big deal. She had a little um, abscess on her chin that subsequently opened up and he was able to clean it. Um, So the cat was fine. It wasn't that, wasn't the big deal. It was more about the way he felt about the interaction with the receptionist. He didn't feel like he was being heard. He didn't feel like um, he got the appropriate empathy uh, from the particular receptionist that he talked to. And he felt like that we should just drop everything, make him an appointment when it was convenient for him because of the fact that he was such a longtime client. So if you work at a veterinary hospital, you know that we don't always have that option to just drop everything and see everyone that needs to be seen. And also when you're talking about an abscess on a cat's chin versus something, you know, like a cat's having problems breathing, that might be a different, um, I guess, level of emergency that the receptionist might feel and the fact that she might try to uh, figure out a way to get somebody in sooner if it was something that sounded a lot more urgent and something that, um, you know, she thought had to be seen immediately, she might try to squeeze somebody in. But Just in defense of my receptionist, we had one doctor there on Saturday, and that was me, and I was already double and triple booked with all kinds of tech appointments as well, and um, it would have been uh, pretty impossible to squeeze another person into the schedule. So anyway, on Tuesday at my work, I needed to call this gentleman back. Now, I've known him for a lot of years, and so we have a pretty good rapport, so it didn't cause me any angst to call him. But it did take a little bit of conflict resolution skills in order to talk this through and make sure he was really being heard and that I was being heard as well and that he understood where my receptionist was coming from and why, um, you know, she is instructed to turn people away when we're so booked. And that's why we have emergency clinics. So anyway, that's what brought this to the forefront of my mind. But I thought what we would do today is go through this in a little more scientific way. So I did some research and I came up with a few things that I thought we would talk about because I think if we have some basis for how people respond to conflict and how people approach conflict, that it might help us when we're in conflict with clients. And so I read about a... Uh, test. It's called the Thomas Kilman Conflict Mode Instrument. And basically, it is a type of test to try to put people in some sort of style 
of conflict resolution. So it's it's kind of like my personality profiling things that I like, but it's a test that gives us an idea of what our conflict resolution style, if we had a style, um, basically your preference of style would be. So I hope that makes sense. But it's called the Thomas Kilman Conflict Mode Instrument. So this identifies five different styles of conflict. And so the five styles are competing and the competing style are people that are very assertive, uncooperative. They have an unwillingness to negotiate with other people's opinions. So they're very kind of dictatorial, those kind of people that just really like to get their own way. They're very decisive in a lot of instances. And so sometimes their style of uh, conflict resolution is good because that competing style is very much going by the rules and they don't get um, taken advantage of like some people do when they're doing um, conflict resolution. So that's the competing style. The second style that they talk about is the collaborating style. And this collaboration style or collaborating style um, joins assertiveness with cooperation. And so this style of conflict resolution are people that are very thoughtful and they consider things very thoughtfully. Um, when they're in a conflict situation with more than one party, they take uh, good consideration of each party's views and they're good at discussing the different goals and the outcomes that need to come from a collaboration. And oftentimes this style results in better mutual understanding between two parties. And the collaboration stylist person is very creative. They're interested in solutions. That's very important to them. They want to learn more about the two different sides of the conflict. And at the end of the conflict, they're interested in making sure that everybody wins. So that's the collaboration style. The third style is the compromising style. So the compromising style is moderately assertive. It's not as assertive as the, com the competing style or the collaborating style, but they're also very cooperative. It doesn't give either party everything they desire, but both parties receive enough in order to satisfy the two sides of the conflict. The compromisers are interested in an equal power outcome they're also interested in options. So we have options to fall back on. So we don't have to collaborate or compete. And they're not so much interested in the ideal outcome, but they're, I, they're interested in an outcome that will serve the situation. So that is the compromising style. Then the fourth one is the avoiding style. And avoiding style is unassertive and uncooperative. And so this is the style of conflict resolution where you just withdraw and you don't address it. And so these are people with this style are the people that don't like confrontation. They think that if they delay it, maybe it'll just go away. Um, they don't feel like they have enough power to assert over people in a conflict situation in order to resolve it. 
They are very high emotionally a lot of times. And so sometimes that emotion causes them to want to avoid because there's a lot of fear involved and um, thinking about the things that could go wrong, that kind of thing. So that is an avoidance type of style. And then the last one in this five-tier Thomas Kilman mode of conflict resolution is the accommodating style. And the accommodating style people or the people that have this or operate within this style are those that are unassertive and cooperative. They want a result that one party might submit and then acknowledges that maybe they're wrong and that the other um, party would be the winner, so to speak. So the, um, the accommodating person will actually acknowledge that they might be wrong and that they're just going to accept the other person's resolution to the conflict. The accommodators are very interested in harmony. They want the issue to be resolved, but the issue is actually secondary to the person on the other side's feelings or the person's needs and wants. So these people that approach conflict in the style of accommodating are more interested in the other person's feelings and the outcome there rather than the actual interest of the situation that's in conflict. So those five styles, competing, collaborating, compromising, avoiding, and accommodating, do fit very well within our personality profiling styles, such as the DISC. We talked about uh, DISC assessments in the past, and you can see that if you think about it, that some of the people that are going to be more of avoiding of conflict resolution are going to be those people that are more socially interested in keeping the peace. Those people that exhibit the S qualities, the steadiness that we see in the DISC profiling system. So many of this com- these conflict resolution styles kind of overlap with our personality styles. And the people that are more assertive, those competing uh, conflict resolution type people might be more of your deep personalities that aren't as afraid to hurt people's feelings and don't want to negotiate. They just want to be dictatorial or directive. So this Thomas Kilman mode analysis or this instrument is very much akin to personalities. But the difference is, is that these five conflict resolution styles can be adapted to the different situations we find ourselves in with different personalities of clients. So if you think about these conflict resolution styles, there might be different situations where you'd want to use each one. And so why would you want to flex or why would you want to adapt the style that you are most naturally akin to in order to solve certain situations? And I would argue that the reason that you would want to do that is to adapt the style that you use based on the style of the person that you're negotiating the con- the conflict with. And also, if you are one of those people that is trying to facilitate a conflict, if you're the negotiator, let's say in a room of two 
team members that are in conflict, if you're trying to negotiate a conflict between your staff or your team and a client, and you aren't necessarily there, you may have to do some negotiation or adaption of your own style in order to create an environment that allows each party to feel heard and feel that their style of conflict resolution is being honored. Because if you're one of those people that's very much into avoidance and you're against a person in a conflict that is very competing in style, the avoidance style person is going to be run over by the competing style person because the competitor is not going to negotiate at all. They don't care about the other person's opinion. The avoiding the avoidant person doesn't want to be there at all, and they're just going to want to run and hide. So if you're in the room with these two people, you are going to have to adapt your style to be more accommodating and be more compromising in order to leave the room with some sort of agreement or, or having each party feel like they got what they need out of the negotiation. So I hope that makes sense. It makes a whole lot of sense to me because I'm in this situation a lot where I just like to dictate what the agreement is, but many times that's not the way it is. You can't just go in and say, hey, this is the way it is, too bad, so sad. You know, in my conversation with my client yesterday, I really had to hear him. He's a very competing style person. He's very high D, he's very opinionated, outspoken, and the way he sees it is very much the way he sees it. And so in order for me to make him feel heard, I had to understand that about him and not avoid the conflict because that would be, you know, my first um, want is just not to deal with it. In fact, before I called him, I was like, oh, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to call this guy because I didn't know how it would go and if I'd be able to get him, you know, win him over to my side. But instead of going to a, into avoidance mode, it's very important for me to understand his style so I can turn myself into more of the cooperative but assertive style in order to balance him. Because if I went into total harmony mode, I probably wouldn't get anywhere because he'd probably bulldoze me right over if I couldn't be assertive at all. And if I was too assertive, he would feel like I was fighting him. So in order to adapt myself to somebody that's very competing in conflict style, I have to be able to soften my own style if I'm one of those competitors. So we're going to come back to this a little bit, but I want to talk about another concept when we're dealing with conflict. And it's something else that I was able to research a little bit uh, for you. And it's talking more about conflict styles of management, um, but not in such a scientific way. It's a little more improvisational, so to speak. And I found these different styles of conflict um, on a website by the University of Notre Dame. And it was just an article that was written there. And I just thought it was really interesting because when we're talking about conflict styles and conflict resolution skills, it's really important to understand your own. If you identified with one of those five Thomas Kilman conflict skills and you can see yourself in any of those, this just um, broadens it a little bit because I think that um, this, because it's a little bit more intuitive and it's a little bit more um, soft, 
that it will sometimes kind of meld those five styles together, if that makes sense. So anyway, I'm going to read these through and just kind of um, go through them quickly just to give you some other ideas about what your style might um, involve. So the first one that they talk about is um, giving in or the people that just accommodate, which is goes very much along with the Thomas Kilman model. But these people don't have a lot of courage and they just agree in order to get the other person's point of view across and make the other person feel good. And so they call that giving in and the Thomas Kilman calls it accommodating. But this style also will be very quick to create peace, but also it will leave the accommodator or the person that's giving in, the person that um, gives up in the conflict resolution, will cause them some resentment and they'll hang on to it. So in this giving in style, there is a lot of leftover resentment at the end of a conflict resolution. And that's why I really liked this way of thinking about it. They also talk about the avoiders, and the thing that they say about the people that avoid conflict are the ones that pretend that there's nothing wrong, or they stonewall, or they shut down. So if you have people around you or that you're dealing with, or you're one of these people that really does not like conflict, just remember that it seems like there's nothing wrong when these people shut down or they avoid, but there really is something wrong. And these people can really hold on to conflict and hold on to the resentment or the unfairness that they feel when they go through a conflict situation and it doesn't really get resolved in their favor. They will have a tendency to hold on to it and for sometimes years. So these are the people that kind of gunny sack things. Then there's also those that are the compromisers, which we kind of talked about already. And these are the people that sometimes can be passive aggressive. So that was one of the points that this Notre Dame study made is that sometimes these people will mislead the other party. So it feels like compromise, but sometimes they will inadvertently mislead other people to think they're getting their own way and they don't necessarily do so. And then the other thing they talked about was if you're that kind of person that is compromising or even collaborating, um, that you can sometimes make concessions that don't necessarily work out for both parties. And so you have to be very careful of that. So the Notre Dame study has five styles as well, and they're very, very similar, but they just have a little bit more of a nuanced point about the five different styles and the good and the bad. I talked a little bit about improvisation, and there is a talent to improvising when you are in a conflict situation. So it's more intuitive. And if you're an improviser, if you're one of those people that's fast on your feet, you're good at thinking on the fly, it's almost one of those skills that can't be taught, but it can be practiced. So it's a way of being creative. It's a way of experiencing the other person's distaste or disgust for the situation in real time, and then being able to listen intellectually and intuitively, and then ask yourself if things are going well. It's the ability to gauge what's going on in the room, and are we getting the most out of this conflict resolution? 
And if you are trying to become better at conflict resolution, I would encourage you to practice the skill of improvisation and also being more creative in the way that you approach conflict skills. And this is something that you can practice with someone. I love conflict resolution. So if you want to practice these skills, let me know because I love it. And um, playing this in real time is really an interesting game in my mind. If you take two parties and you put them in the same room and then you get to be the one that kind of moderates the conflict, you can use these skills of improv. You can use this creativity in order to gauge what's going on between the two parties and also read the type of conflict that they're practicing. Are they practicing avoidance? Are they practicing being very competitive and being very dictatorial? And if they are, then you as the mediator needs to be able to understand that. And then on the fly and creatively think of ideas that you can try to bring them together so they can understand each other, not just understand what's going on in the conflict. So to be a mediator in a conflict situation requires those two skills of improvisation and creativity. So if you are going to be a facilitator in a conflict resolution situation, there are some things that you need to understand that can be destructive to the process. So you have to be very careful in conflict that if it starts to go to these destructive things that you need to try to steer it away or find a way to remove the focus from these things. So the first one would be blaming and shaming. Those are very destructive when you're in a conflict resolution. So for instance, with my gentleman that I was talking to yesterday, if I blamed him for not calling us the day before when he first noticed his cat's abscess and talking to me, I may have been able to get him in Saturday morning if he'd uh, left a message, blame him, or also saying things like, well, why didn't you go to the emergency clinic? If I had done those things, that would have been t- completely destructive. The other thing that could be quite destructive would be emotional tones. So if I were to be very defensive or if I were to get very upset, if he were to start yelling at me or even people that swear or start to get very emotional, that is very destructive when trying to facilitate a com- facilitate a conflict resolution. If someone becomes non-solution focused, If they just want to go through and not really agree that we need to come to some sort of resolution in this conflict, if that person is going to be dead set on not giving in, not having solution mindedness, then that is going to be destructive. If somebody is out of control, they have no self-control, and we've all been in that situation where people just go kind of crazy on you, and then you just don't know what to do. I mean, in that case, a lot of times we do just retreat from the complex situation because it just is out of control, and we don't know how to, how to get people back on track. That can be very destructive. And then if the two parties or you and the other party, if it's, if it's between you and someone else, if you focus on the person and not on the problem. That can really turn into a mess. So if I if I went into the conversation with my gentleman yesterday with the idea that, oh, he's very high D, I know he's going to be ugly, he's probably going to get very angry, and I got all jazzed up in my head that he was going to be unreasonable beforehand, and I was totally focused on him, 
then I might have been more defensive. I might have been more direct. I might have been less soft and accommodating to his needs and less accepting. And I probably would have been less likely to be able to think on my feet because I was so focused on being afraid of what he might say or do. So don't focus on the people that you're in conflict with. Don't focus the statements on the people so they're not personal. Focus on the problem at hand and trying to solve this particular problem. What can we do in the future so this doesn't happen again? And so to be constructive or do a good job at conflict resolution would be focusing on the facts, not the feelings. Strive to keep the relationships intact. Get a cooperative exchange of ideas. Clarify any misconceptions or any miscommunications during the conflict. Be very clear and ask questions to clarify. And make sure that the feedback is non-emotional. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't coddle people, but Give them direct feedback that is not emotional. And that will help you to facilitate a conflict, either whether it's as a facilitator between two people in a room and you are in the middle trying to make this conflict go well, or whether it's between you and a client. All the things that we find ourselves in in our jobs and at home. This also works for your family, people. So remember that conflict happens everywhere. And all of these skills that we're trying to procure will help us in all areas of our life. So the last things I want to say about conflict are to accept the fact that people all are going to be a little bit different in the way they approach conflict. If you look at the Thomas Kilman conflict model, you could actually take a test to find out the way you appreciate conflict if you're like me and you kind of enjoy the negotiation and the back and forth or if you're one of those avoiding type people there's no right or wrong to those things but what we want to do is understand how we would naturally approach conflict and then get better at it and change and maybe be able to adapt to other styles so you can get better at it and maybe learn to enjoy it and if you want to learn to enjoy it just call me and I'll try to teach you how to do that It involves a little bit of risk. You're going to have to be able to put yourself out there. And so if you're a very risk-averse person, it's going to be difficult for you to want to go into conflict. But sometimes I just have to, when I feel really like I want to run away from a conflict or I don't want to deal with it or I'm feeling very avoidant, is I just think about pulling on my big girl panties and I'm going to do this. I'm just going to bust in and try it. And what's going to happen? What bad could happen? The person's already angry. The person's already disgruntled with me. It probably isn't going to get any worse. And if it does, at least I tried. So that's the attitude I like to take when I'm facing a conflict. And maybe that's why I kind of enjoy it. The other thing that you have to do is open yourself up to trusting that the other person wants the best. They want the best for themselves. They want the best for you. They're at least bringing things to your attention. So the gentleman that I talked to yesterday, at least he was willing to talk to me about it. And he didn't just hang up the phone on Saturday and decide he was never coming back to my practice. At least he wanted what was best for me in my practice. He wanted to bring it to my attention in case it was something that I didn't agree with and I wanted to change. But trusting that the person or the people that you're 
you're facilitating conflict with or you're negotiating a conflict, trusting that they have the best interest and want the best solution at the end of the outcome. And if you can have that idea that everybody has got your trust and that you trust that they are going to be amiable to working things out with you, that's going to go a long way into getting you to that point where you can pivot on a dime and be creative and listen well and be truly present in that negotiation and create some collaboration. So the last thing that I'm going to say about this, and as you can tell, I really love this subject, is that you need to practice this. This is, this is a learned skill. I didn't love conflict years ago. I learned to love it. And the reason that, one of the reasons that I love it is because I'm a harmony person. And so there's something cool to me about trying to bring people together and create harmony. But I also love it because it is a skill that you can learn. And if you are going to learn to play the piano, it would take time and practice. If you are going to learn to tap dance like I tap dance, it takes years and years and years of practice. Take it from me because I'm not that great at tap dancing and I've been doing it a long time. So just remember that if you're not good at conflict, if you want to become good at it, you can by practicing. You're going to have to be open. You're going to have to build some awareness around the way you feel about conflict. You're going to have to improve your listening skills. You're going to have to be a little bit less risk averse and then a little bit collaborative in order to get a greater capacity to understand people and then to experience it so you can practice. So for the end of the story, talking to the gentleman yesterday, we were able to talk it out. He was very complimentary to the fact that we called him back right away. My One of my technicians had called him to check on his cat in the morning before I even got to him. So he was very complimentary about that. He basically was very happy that we were um, understanding and empathetic and we we really jumped on it when we knew he was upset about not being able to get his cat in. And then I just explained to him what's going on in this time of pandemic and how busy we are and how difficult it is to see all the clients that we need to see. And so that's why we're trying so hard to protect our veterinarians so we're not overbooked and also serve all the clients that we can serve in the most timely fashion. And we were able to talk about whether his cat needed antibiotics and whether he needed to come in yesterday so I could see her. But it sounded like he had done a great job in medicating her and dealing with her himself, that he did a great job. And I was really happy that all things worked out for both of our goods, for my good and him and his cat's good. So that was the resolution of that story. And I think um, we did a pretty good job, the two of us, at um, negotiating that conflict. So I would encourage you, whether you like conflict or not this week, to go out there and really think about how you feel about conflict. Maybe do some introspection and think about the way you operated in the last conflict that you were in and think about whether you want to improve that or you'd like to change that in any way. And if you do, study some of these things. Go um, listen to this podcast, obviously, but go out and read some more about these conflict resolution styles and get to understand yourself and then talk to some other people about practicing. If you want to practice with me, I'm always open to it. Send me an email at jacapeldvm at gmail.com. 
And I would love to go through some conflict resolution practice with you, or you can always coach with me. You can get a free coaching on my website as well. If you want to go to juliecapel.com or veterinarylifecoach.com. I also have my Wednesday weekly words. I would love for you to sign up for that. Every Wednesday, I send a tiny little blog to you about different things that we talk about here on the podcast and on my big blog on Sundays. So sign up for that with your email on my website. And if you like what you're hearing on the podcast, please go to iTunes and give me a five-star review. I would love to hear your comments and love to hear from you as always. So I hope that you're having a beautiful week this week. I hope that all things go well and that you're not in conflict this week. But if you are, practice and I will be happy to talk to you next week on the podcast. Have a beautiful week. Bye.